This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Otis Barnett and Calvary Church in Inverness, Florida. For more information, please visit InvernessCalvary.com. Well, we're continuing in our series named Called to Freedom, and we've been talking about it for, for, for many weeks now. And uh, if you haven't been here or you've missed some of the sermons, uh, please go to InvernessCalvary.com, listen to some of those messages. Because uh, here's, here's what we, we're learning as a church together. God wants us free. God wants us free. And, and, and the real danger is, is that once we surrender our life to Christ, we think, well, well okay, I'm, I'm now completely free. But what we've been seeing through the scripture is actually the enemy's plan has always been to entangle as many believers as possible. And we saw it over and over again in scripture that many times people have have encountered like a warfare that comes from Satan. And we're not going to go too deeply into that today, but I want to take you to the very, very beginning the very beginning of when God began to stir in my heart over this series called Freedom. This, this series is based on a scripture from Galatians chapter 5. And in the Amplified Version it says this, But you, my brothers, were called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the sinful nature, worldliness and selfishness. But through love, serve and seek the best for one another. This is... This is the marching orders for the church. This is, this is God saying, you are called to freedom. And, and remember, this is Jesus standing in an open door, inviting you to a place of freedom where you are not subject to any of the enemy's bondages, any of them. God wants you free. Now, up until this point, I have yet to define freedom to you. We've been doing this for weeks. And I wanted to wait because there were many things that I, I thought God wanted to unfold. But freedom defined is this. Unrestrained to be who God has created you to be and to do what God has called you to do. I'm going to say that again, unrestrained to be who God has created you to be and to do what God has called you to do. I want to say this to you today. Freedom is the right of every believer. It was purchased by the blood of Christ. Even the founders of this nation understood that freedom was a God-given right. It wasn't given by man. It was given by God, and it was something to be embraced, and it was something to be stewarded and cherished. And I would say to you in the church that, that Jesus, as he offers you freedom today, it is something to be cherished, stewarded, and it is our responsibility to walk in all of the freedom that he offers to us. And he's offering you freedom today. And the plan of the enemy is to entangle or ensnare believers. 
But how many of you understand that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil? He went about, Acts chapter 10, he went about doing good, destroying. I mean, he absolutely destroyed the works of the devil. That's good news. As I mentioned, that there, this, this, this journey of beginning to discover freedom for an entire body started for me personally the very, very end of 2015. I was standing in one of the, my most favorite places on the planet. I was in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Okay? It, there's the good news and bad news. The, the bad news is that I was not on a mountain, you know, stream. You know, I wasn't outside. You know, I wasn't in the Great Smoky Mountain Park. But, you know, I was with five or 6,000 maniacs for Jesus at something called Winter Ramp, okay, which is where a bunch of young people gather to really ring in the new year the right way, praising God, not following after what the world says but actually going after God. And so we were there, and I was in that meeting, and the Lord began to speak to me about the psalm I'm going to share with you today. He began to talk to me about Psalm 34. And in this meeting, it, wasn't, it had nothing to do with Psalm 34. It was just awesome. But the, I, I was reading it, and the Lord was talking to me. He says, he says, in Psalm 34, there is a key, a key to see corporate freedom break out in the church. I was like, what? And then from the stage, their leaders take the stage just moments after God speaks this to me. And they said, we have yet to come into a moment in one of these conferences where we feel like hundreds, if not thousands, get set free. We know that many are born again, but many of them leave with the same bondages and snares that they came with. And they said, we have yet to come into that moment. And if there had ever been a moment as a youth pastor that I wanted to push past security and jump over a wall and take the microphone, I have great friends in Karen Wheaton's ministry at the ramp. We're, we're great friends, and, and many of you have received ministry from uh, some of the people who have been, been here from their ministry. But if there, if there was ever a moment where I felt like God was unfolding something, and then I was in the middle of it, and I'm watching it. I'm going, man, God has a message that everyone can be free. And if you come here today asking yourself this question, why do I do that? Anybody ever say that? Why do I behave that way? Why do I respond this way? Why in this situation am I fearful? Why don't I pray with my wife? Why don't I step into that moment and really share my faith with that coworker? What's going on? I believe God is calling us into freedom, and I believe Psalm 34 is going to unlock some of these things for us. So Psalm 34, we're going to read the first eight verses today. I'm going to just share some of the thoughts that God shared with me over the past few months. Psalm 34. If you want to turn there, that's great. Psalm 34, we're going to read from verse 1. It 
It says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. What an awesome, awesome Psalm. And I I want you to understand something. That that David, King David, was a songwriter. And this is King David's song about his own deliverance. This is King David's song about one of his deliverances. Because he experienced many. And I want you to understand something today. That when somebody begins to share their story of deliverance, you should listen. Because when you hear what God did for them, it'll unlock what God did for, will do for you. Now watch this. I want you to understand that this is written by David, a worshiper. And he starts this psalm with worship. We see a lot of uh, content in here, but it's all started with worship. And this is why, this is why David knew worship shifts the atmosphere. You see, before David was a king, he was a shepherd. And while he enjoyed sheep, he really enjoyed worship. And so he would be playing skillfully on a stringed instrument. So skillfully that when Saul lost favor, King Saul lost favor with God, they went out and searched out a musician who would come and play when a tormenting spirit would come upon Saul. David then would bring the worship that he worshiped God with in the field into the palace. And when he would begin to worship in the presence of Saul, the tormenting spirit would leave. I want you to understand something today. Worship, biblical worship, changes the atmosphere. Biblical worship changes the atmosphere. And this psalm is an invitation. It's starting in worship, but this psalm is David's invitation into deliverance. And he's doing it in song because he knows that worship, real worship, leads to deliverance. Real worship leads to freedom. Now, 
What does the psalm say about worship? This is what David's declaration are. That these are his declaration in the first three verses. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I, I want you to, to, to see some things from this. And, and you need to understand that the reason why that we worship and give so much time to worship in the beginning is because a corporate worship atmosphere, a corporate worship atmosphere can lead to a personal encounter with God. I want to say that. I want to say that very clearly to you. The corporate gathering, when we all come together and we're worshiping God, it can lead to a very deep personal encounter. Sometimes, though, we don't come at it that way. You know, we just, we just kind of come in and say, man, I hope, I hope Luke's singing my favorite song. You know, man, if they, I wish they would do Good, Good Father every week. I know you listened to it four times on the way to church. Our corporate worship gathering isn't about the, your favorite song being played. It's about an invitation for the presence of God to come into the same place where you stand. Now, he eternally dwells in here, but he will manifest himself in different places where you become aware of his presence. Now, look, look at this worship. In, this, in this, these beginning phrases, this worship is three things. He is committed. David says, I will he says, I will. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will. You know what that means? That you can come in on a Sunday morning and choose whether or not to worship. That it is an act of your will. Not just a reflection of, you know, your taste. It's an act of your will. And he says, I will. He is committed to it. This worship is committed that leads to deliverance, that leads to freedom. It's committed. But not only is it committed, it's continual. That means that it's not based on circumstance. He's like, I'm praising God when things are good and when things are bad. And by the way, in Psalm 34, when he was praising God, he was just coming out of really bad. Really bad. Really tough. His enemies everywhere chasing him down. On all sides, as you'll see. But he said this. It's going to be continual, continually in my mouth. And I want to say some things to you. If you want to have an encounter with God, you, you're, you're going to have to learn to worship when your bank account is low and when your bank account is high. And when the circumstances aren't working out the way you, and when they are really working out for you, when your kids are acting like they've lost their minds, and when they are acting like they're related to someone else. <laughs> Some of you will catch that one on the right. Did, did, did he just insult me? <laughs> no, not at all. See, our worship needs to be continual. But not only continual, contagious. I love this. Our worship needs to be contagious. Do you hear the, the words of David? He's saying, come magnify the Lord with me. 
He's saying, come with me. Let's exalt the Lord together. Come with me. Why is David starting this song on deliverance with an invitation? Because of this one statement, free people, free people. Free people, free people. If you ever experience the freedom that is in Christ, you'll want to you'll want to share it with somebody. He's like, come on, come on. Let's. If you'll worship the way I did, this is what he's saying. If you'll worship with me the way that I worship, you're going to get exactly what I got. You're going to experience God. He says, come, let's do it together. Worship is our response to who God is and what He has done. But what had he done for David? The very simple statement is he delivered him. He delivered him. But there are three really key elements that I want you to see from Psalm 34. And listen, I'm I'm not actually sharing this message so you can take good notes. I want you to take good notes. I'm actually sharing this message in hopes that you carry this with you into every worship service that you ever go into for the rest of your life. There are three elements that led to, that released David's deliverance. The first one is this, seeking the Lord. Now remember, this is in an atmosphere of worship. Seeking the Lord. Verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. He says, I sought the Lord. This word seek, it means to ask, to inquire. And this is, this is the primitive root of this word. This is so good. It means, it means to actually follow the track or the trail of where someone has been so that you find out where they are. Right now, we're in the middle of probably my most favorite 30 days of the year, archery season. And, you know, I love to go out in the woods and especially getting, you know, close enough to harvest a deer. And I, 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 really, I, I really like animals. They taste wonderful. Um, so I'm sorry if you don't like to eat them. Listen, if you're, if you're a vegetarian, you are contributing to global warming. You're eating my oxygen. <laughs> just saying... Just saying, I'm just saying, I thought it through. And so this, <laughs> see, see uh, <laughs> pray for me. Um, um, see, in this time of year, in order for me, for me to be successful with a bow, I've got to get close. So that means that I've got to go and look closely at the signs of where whatever I'm going after has been. I've got to find the tracks. I've got to find the sign. And then I've got to find just the right way to position myself so I get close 
and have an opportunity for an encounter. And this scripture says that we are to go after where God has been and what he has done so that we too can position ourselves to have an encounter with him in the same way. This is why when you hear about someone else's healing, you ought to celebrate because you're on the track. You're on the trail. This is why when you read about a miracle in the Bible, you're tracking, you're, you're trailing, you're getting closer, you're getting closer. But listen, just knowing about the story is not the end of it. You actually seek until you find. And our worship ought to have a bit of expectation that when you and I come in on a Sunday morning, we're like, man, I've been reading in God's Word about how He healed and about how He set free and about how He saved. And I've been praying for this person, and I just know that God, when I pray, He's going to hear me and He's going to move, and I'm, I'm tracking, I'm tracking. And then you arrive with an expectation that seeking has brought you to a place that worship carries you to. When you know what God has done, has done for you in the past, you find out what he'll do for you in the future. When you hear the testimony of someone else being saved, being healed, being set free, don't believe the enemy's voice that say that won't happen for you. God doesn't waste his breath on a testimony to brag on himself. He's giving you permission he says, go and track me down. Matthew 7, 7. It's beautiful. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. You know, this is great. This is great in real time. But why does verse 5 seem so out of place? In, 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 in Psalm 34. It says, those who look to him, their faces were radiant. See, unless you understand what it means to seek, that verse just seems like, oh, that's a weird line. Who is David talking about when he says they looked to him and were radiant? Who is that? It's those who sought God before. He said, the ones who went before me, they sought God and God showed up. I've heard the stories. I know who he is. I know how he revealed himself. And this is what it says. Their faces were radiant. I love this picture. The, the Hebrew language is so full. This word radiant, it actually literally is the word streams. And it carries with it the, this picture. He says, those who have encountered God, who have encountered the delivering power of God, they look like the sun bouncing off a stream as it gladly flows from a mountain to a valley. Radiant. It looks like the sun bouncing joyfully off a stream. I want to tell you, church, when we seek God, you won't be put to shame. You won't be ashamed. You will not be ashamed. God will meet you there. Jeremiah 29, 11, 
very famous passage says this, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Hear the heart of the Lord. He's saying, when you seek me, you will find me. Oh man, after 16 years of youth ministry, I've learned a few things. You know, if a young person comes to you and says, you know, I tried praying about this, and it just didn't work. I said, how long did you pray? Like 15 minutes. Keep going. (laughs) Don't stop. Well, I tried. It didn't work. No, 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 no. No, you barely sat down. Don't just try for 15 minutes. By the way, adults, maybe you're in the room and you were, you were praying for something and maybe you have been walking with God a little longer so you prayed for a month. And then you stopped. And then you just accepted that thing as part of your life or that, that ailment or you just accepted that circumstances as this is the way it's always gonna be and you just gave up on it. Don't stop seeking God. Don't stop seeking God in worship. Try, talk to me after a decade. You need about 10 good years going after something and then see what God has done. Seek God and find him. It says, and he delivered me out of all of my fears. This is a great word. You just read it on the surface, and it's, it's a fantastic word. He delivered me from all of my fears. Well, this word in Hebrew is very telling, this word fear. It's not just fright, although it includes that. The word is also translated barn in English in Haggai chapter 2. It's translated barn, but the, it's, barn is kind of like an English word, you know, go to the barn. The real, the real closer word would be a grain silo. And the picture was that it was filled. And David said, I was underneath it. And God reached into that place and delivered me. When? When I sought him out. I don't care how buried you feel today. You are not out of God's reach. His love will pursue you. His presence will come after you. The next element of David's deliverance from Psalm 34 is calling out to the Lord. Calling out to the Lord, verse 6 says, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. These troubles are like just nagging things. These are, these are the things when things just do not go right. They are just, you know, you're kind of hitting the wrong thing all of the time, and that's really what this means. But, you know, um, David not only wrote Psalm 34, but he also wrote Psalm 18 about another deliverance from Saul. He said this, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be, to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. This word cry out is different. It is much different than this word seek or sought out. It means this, to summon by name. 
It means to summon by name, to proclaim. Uh, let, me, let me give you the, 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 the picture. The picture is, is that there is a gathering and an honored guest arrives. And, the, and at the, uh, uh, the approaching of the honored guest, a spokesman stands up and proclaims that name to everyone. So when David says, I cried out, here's what he was doing. Jesus! Jesus! Have you ever been in a moment of worship where all of the other words on the screen didn't mean anything, but when you said his name? Jesus. His name meaning Yahshua, Yahweh's salvation. You just worship him and worship him. You lift up his name. You just whisper his name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In the same way that the announcement was being made, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the definition of this word, you are announcing Jesus, you are invited in. Jesus, you are invited in. If you today come with a struggle, with a concern, with a chain, with something that's been hanging on to you, you need to announce a name over it. It is the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, whether in heaven, on earth, or under the earth. It is the name of Jesus. And we need to say, Jesus, you're welcome in my house. You need to go to your desk on Monday morning and say, Jesus, you are wel welcome on my job. You need to walk into your home and say, Jesus, you are welcome here. I proclaim your name. And this is what the scripture says. He hears you and delivers you. Our worship should regularly include summoning God by name into our situation. You say, well, Pastor Rod, I said, all that stuff doesn't really sound like me. That's okay. That's okay. You'll understand that your worship doesn't have to be defined by your personality. Let me show you. Another element that, that, uh, that, that really da uh, David got right in Psalm chapter 34 was this. It was fearing the Lord. It was fearing the Lord. Verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps all, all around those who fear him and delivers them. Now, I, I, I've done a lot of research on this, okay? And there's been a lot of talk about what the fear of the Lord is. And so there, there, are, there are two basic working definitions. One is reverential awe. Reverential awe. That means that you are very reverential. But the other definition of the fear of the Lord is just fear. I've looked it up. Just fear means fear. It doesn't mean afraid. It just means fear. Have you ever been next to a really, really, really big fire? I have at my daughter's 16th birthday. When a young man decided that our, 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 our fire was not burning hot enough, so he took gas from a container that he was going to pour slowly onto it. I love youth ministry. 
Yeah, you get the best stories. At that moment, all of the students around the fire exhibited the fear of fire. <laughs> the adults around started stomping stuff and trying to put out fire. But I, I'm telling you, there was a running that happened. I think I, 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 think I actually grabbed one of my children and ran away. I was like, get out of there. I'm like, get away from him. He's going to die. You know? <laughs> Seriously, it was like that. There were hay bales everywhere. It was glorious. But when you get that close to a, to a major fire, you know it. Um, I, I just want to let you know this. Our God is an all-consuming fire. And when you get close to him, you know it. And this is free. It's not in my notes. I wouldn't just go boldly wearing a flammable suit called sin. I would get the flame retardant of grace on my life to wash me of all of that sin before I go before the all-consuming fire. That's good theology. Listen to what the Word says about the connection, about fearing the Lord and what the fear of the Lord really is and what it's connected to. Psalm 103, verse 17 says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Who needs more mercy? Yeah, I need more mercy. So I need the fear of the Lord. Psalm Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and a good understanding. Have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Psalm 112, verse 1, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Psalm 128, verse 1, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his way. You have to see this from the Scripture. The fear of the Lord and obedience go hand in hand. The fear of the Lord and obedience, they go hand in hand. And it's really critical if you're going to understand Psalm 34, the power that's related to it. Now listen, obedience to God releases angels to war on your behalf. That's what Psalm 34 says. Obedience to God releases angels to war on your behalf. When you have the fear of the Lord in your life, God sends angels say, hey, by the way, you don't even have to tell them what's going on. Just go, to, just, just go take out those demons and go take out those negative assignments that's trying to keep them from walking in the fullness that I have for them. And he sets angels to go and fight for you when you have the fear of the Lord. There was a young man I am convinced had the fear of the Lord. His name was Joshua, son of Nun. When, when God's presence would come on the tabernacle, Moses would leave and, and Joshua would remain in this atmosphere of worship. He would worship and worship and he developed a healthy fear of the Lord. And he had heard the word of the Lord and said, be strong and of good courage. The way that I was with Moses, I will be with you. And I think he heard those words of courage. But he had this moment, uh, this hiccup moment right before they're going to go and take the land. The angel of the Lord shows up. Joshua walks up in his boldness with his sword and says, Are you for us or against us? 
And the angel, as politely as he possibly could, says, neither. But as the commander of the army of the Lord of hosts, I have now come. It's really great when Joshua says, whose side are you on? And the angel says, I'm the side. You need to get on my side. That's what he said. Why did the angel of the Lord show it up? Psalm 34 tells us. Because Joshua had the fear of the Lord in his life. And he was obeying God. The angel of the Lord shows up in your life and will deliver you when you have a fear of the Lord. And you say, God, you're God. I'm a man. And if this is your idea of the way I should do life, I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey. And you know what God says? I'm protecting that one. I'm watching over that one. I'm fighting for that one. How did David know that God was a deliverer? How did he have all of these insights that he wrote down in Psalm 34? It's because this psalm was written in response to something that we find in 1 Samuel chapter 21 which is an amazing passage. 1 Samuel chapter 21 gives us the history behind Psalm 34. And this is what it says beginning in verse 10. It says, Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul. So he's running from one enemy, and he went to Achish, the king of Gath, another enemy, by the way. And the servants of Achish said to him, is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands? Listen, now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Verse 13, so he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gates, let saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see this, this, this man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen? That you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And then the next verse in chapter 22 says, And David left there and escaped to the cave at Adullam. I want you to understand something. Somewhere between verse 12 and verse 13 is Psalm 34. Verse 12 says, Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And then verse 13, it says, So he changed his behavior before them, pretending madness in their hands. Psalm 34 began to unfold in this journey as they're going to the king's court. What was he doing? He was seeking God in worship. He was calling out on the name of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord led to what? 
obedience. Him pretending madness in Psalm, in, in 1 Samuel 20, uh, 21 is not the result of him just having a good idea. God told him to do it. And God spoke it to him because of the fear of the Lord in his life, and he obeyed. And what did he do? What happened as a result of his obedience? He was delivered. I want to make this radical and bold statement. Sometimes your freedom is waiting behind a moment of unfettered worship. You say, well, that's not my personality to lift my hands. It wasn't David's personality before or after this event to pretend he was mad. I, I can remember the first time I ever lifted my hands in worship. You guys remember that? I came from a very conservative background. A lot of things were the devil. Christian radio was the devil. It was. Drums in the church. Just saying. That's where I came from. But I remember I read in the scripture that all men everywhere should lift holy hands to the Lord. But I remember the first time I tried to do that, I tried to lift up my hands and I felt this warmth come over me. I was like, ugh. Felt like everybody's looking at me. I'm like, I know God, you said to do this, but I, I, you got to help me. I, I just want to say, God delivered me of that fear. And he'll deliver you of that fear. And I, I just want to say, you know, uh, 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 Jews, when they, when they sang this song, they just danced. We're, we're very Western and proper. We're just like, we get into worship, we're like. If, if it had been some of us before King Achish, and God said, you need to just drool on yourself, some of y'all would have went, he's just going to have to kill me. And you would have missed out on your assignment. David had an assignment. You know what it was? To start the kingdom that would never end. Christ comes through David. Christ comes through David. And listen, no matter how radical the, the moment sounds like when you're, you're, you're struggling and, and God says, you need to go get in the altar and on your knees and worship. You don't need to resist that. You need to say yes. When, when God says, go and get prayer, you say, you know, you'll hear that voice. Well, what would everybody think? You need to answer that voice. Well, what would God think? You know, sometimes it is a moment where you go beyond who you are and you begin to attach yourself to who he is. And when you do that in worship, God sets you free. Some of you have been struggling with addictions for years. God will break it in a real unfettered moment of worship. There are all kinds of fears and anxieties that rest on people. God will set you free in worship. There are all kinds of hurts and, and pains. and I'm telling you, sometimes it's a radical thing that you have to do. It's, it's beyond your personality. And God just says, step out. Step out. Don't be controlled by the opinion of man. 
Don't be, don't be, don't be controlled by a voice of an enemy that's speaking in your head. Your freedom may be unlocked in unfettered worship, a new expression, a fresh pursuit, or a healthy dose of the fear of the Lord. And I have this one admonition to you. Whatever the Lord says to do, do it. He said to David, David, feign madness. And so when David pretended to be insane, he then writes Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's not just a good verse to quote or something to sing on a Sunday morning. That is a verse that is meant to be experienced. It is an offer. Taste and see. Step out. Come into worship with an expectation that I have been tracking God and I'm going to meet with him. Invite him in by name. Holy Spirit, come and dominate this place. And then let the fear of the Lord rest on you so that you walk in obedience whether you understand it or not. And those three elements lead to corporate deliverance. Corporate deliverance. We, I, I'm looking forward to the day where more and more the testimony is, I just came into worship And that knee that had been giving me trouble for years, God healed it. I just came in and I felt like the Lord said, come, come kneel at the altar. And that anxiety and depression broke off my life. Listen, it is in the presence of biblical worship that God says, you seek me, you'll find me. You call out to me, I'll hear you. You fear me, fear me, I will deliver you. God is good. Taste and see. I want you to bow your heads today. The greatest moment of freedom that anybody could ever experience is the freedom that comes from being forgiven of all of your sin. Jesus came as an expression of God's love. He says, but God demonstrated his own love to us in this, that while we were sinners, trapped died for us. He died for our freedom. The scripture says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like more information about the ongoing ministry of Calvary Church, please visit our website at InvernessCalvary.com.